kind of uh, set of factors. And, uh, it's not really worth going into <laughs> the way it's uh, presented these days because it's an appropriation. It's a co-opting uh, of the original uh, Magilla. And uh, I, I refuse to be a part of it. I refuse to participate <laughs> on moral grounds, really, if you have to know. If you must know my reasoning. I must. Must you know my reasoning, Diane? <laughs> I must. But, well, you're always probing. You're always <laughs> trying to get inside the whole experience like it's a... Uh, like it was meant to be, like you, like you're entitled to that information. I, I don't understand. You know, I'm left here kind of feeling invaded. <coughs> Nevertheless, it's 8:47 a.m. Saturday, November the 28th, 2020. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> that wasn't. A, that wasn't a very good one. But it wasn't. And I felt like I was galloping with you my do 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 You felt like you were galloping? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Well, that was probably it. You threw me off. I did. Yeah. It's all my fault. I'll take the blame. <laughs> I'll fall on my sword. Oh, my God. Well, we get, we're here in the treehouse, and I tell you, the place is just, you know, all alight with loveliness and uh, twinklies and sparklies and little dustings of... Um, of um, um, sparks and, and things, and uh, very very comfy. It's cozy. I got my big old flannel shirt on. The sleeves are rolled down, and everything's kind of neat. I feel like I'm wearing pajamas, and that's good. That's a good feeling to have on a Saturday morning. The kind of the pajama feel. You know, you sleep in a little bit. You're all kind of there and. And then you kind of get up, and then you're still there. You take there with you when you're walking around and having a cup of joe and your pajamas and, you know, got your feet up on the coffee table. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. It's casual. It's casual, Diane. Casual. And yet. Ah, ham and eggs. It's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. Tell us about it, will you? Could you? Would you? Please. Well, I wanted to comment on the pajama thing because oh, pajama I was going to say that my clothes always feel like pajamas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sweaters and leggings, you know, that's pretty... Is that jammy-like? That's pretty jammy-like. I don't know. I, I think of pajamas as roomy. Well, this is you pretty know. roomy. Oh, I know. The sweater. But you didn't use that word. So I had to put it in there because somebody had to, Diane. Leggings, however, are skin-tight. Leggings are not my thing, and... I'm wearing um, But they, you know, they pretty much feel not there. Not there. I see. And then, I, you know, lately I've been really into the slipper socks. Well, I'm, I'm getting some slipper socks. I've just been wearing socks. But they're nice, a nice wool blend sock. Yes. That's what it is. <clears throat> we have a drawer full of wool socks upstairs that I used to wear them a lot more back when I was a working guy. And back before, before my feet changed. My feet have changed. My feet are no longer comfortable in shoes and socks. I'm barefoot most of the time around the house. I've got a pair of flip-flops that I keep here by the coffee table for when I come downstairs and I want to put my feet up on the edge of the coffee table. I've got the flip-flops uh, to kind of pad my feet, but then I wear, if I go out, I wear sandals with no socks. Well, I have some slipper socks, uh, you know, the, the, the socks slip- with slippers on the bottom. Um, 
on order. They they should be here. They should be here. Sure. Mainly just because I'm not really, you know. You're not getting that much. I'm not getting out that much, and and I really, when I was young, I loved the slipper socks. And I have some more socks on order too. Some Nordic socks. Oh, some of those ones, those Facebook ones. Yeah. Yeah, I saw those. I thought about those socks, but. Well, you know what? They are they're. For both men and women, yeah, so they'll be multi-use for both I'm just both saying, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not doing socks very yeah. much. The only time I put on socks is when I go out to walk. I wear socks all the time. Yeah. And I, I must say that my Nordic, Nordic heritage yes. just loves looking at the patterns and yeah. the Nordic patterns. I, they I speak really to do you, that. Diane? They do speak What do they to say? Do they say, <laughs> what do they say? <laughs> They say, pick us up, you Svenska flicka. You know, you love a Svenska flicka. That's what they say. Okay. <laughs> I didn't hear them say that. <laughs> That's because you're not Svenska flicka. Uh, no, 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 no. All right. Well, there you go. But that's really not the substance of the hecticity that we uh, were supposed to be talking about earlier. Well, the, the most hectic part of this week was the beginning when I was still working and and it was unexpectedly busy. I think that people were trying to get in their last last It's like everybody woke up and said, oh, it's holiday week. (laughs) I'm in a hurry. Yeah, exactly. On Tuesday, you recognize that? Uh... So it was was a lot more hectic than I had thought it might be because I thought, oh, it's going to slow down. It's going to be the holiday week and people will be going out of town. Well, but they aren't going out of town. They're not. So, hopefully not. Hopefully they're not going out of town. And uh, then, then, and only after, then. after a very relaxing and lazy Thanksgiving day, right. I had yesterday. I was working on the. Actually, Thanksgiving Day wasn't that lazy because I started working on the you publication on, the publication on, on that day. It's so, true day. I didn't have a lazy... This is my lazy day. Yeah. This is the lazy day. This is the one? This is the one. The jammy day? Well, it's perfect. Yeah. All the all the elements of laziness and sloth and stuff are are converging in the kind of jamitudinous uh, nature of the day. Well, Which I think we should try and extend for as, for the as last long as possible. 13 years, and it has been 13 years 13 that I've been years. working on the Ancient Victories publication. Okay. I always do it on the Thanksgiving weekend, and mm-hmm. so Thanksgiving weekend has a certain task-oriented quality to it for me. I see. So you're predisposed to to want that kind of project yeah. to go along with your holiday. It's part of what. It's part of the meaning of it all. Well, but I. But sp- that's done and yeah. gone and out, and you were working on your. Um, your video, my short, your short, my short, which was you know, it's always kind of disappointing. You know, I have these only grand, to you. I know I have these grander visions of what it's going to look like, and it never quite looks like I want it to look. But what are you going to do? It's okay. It's nice to have a little project, and you know, I had the concert with Jim on Tuesday, and you know, life will never be the same again. Well, that's that. that's what I was really going to concentrate on. Yeah. You know, the, the hectic parts being out of the way. Hmm. Although that was a hectic part for you, but... It was kind of hectic, yeah. 
had some hecticity in it. But that was a pretty grand event of the week. Yeah. That was sort of the the stellar <laughs> of the week. It was, huh? Well, I, I really thought so. I yeah. I thought that, especially because it was a little bit, for both of us, we were a little bit nervous because anytime you were doing something new on the platform, and then I'm also having, I'm trying to watch and make sure everything's going okay on all the pages, you right, know, that right. that's up on Jim's page and it's up on Katie's page and it's up on my page. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm attending to. Um, during that time but once all those tasks were out of the way for me and once you both knew that it was working I think I just I think I really relaxed into that show more because I felt like you know too many too many people usually you know when you have two people Mm -hmm. performing so I usually don't try to respond to all the comments and everything I just Listen. Let go and let flow. Let go and let flow. Right. Well, it went off. I thought it went off very well. You know, Jim's connection is a little janky, and he's working to improve that, which is great. So, you know, he wasn't always in sync, but the, the, the sound was coming through good. Oh, yeah. You know, there were very few problems with the sound. So I think it sounded really good. I think Jim was playing well, and, and uh, he sang some songs that I think are just absolutely amazing and it felt oh that that new one about um that i think of as sort of the troubadour song right the you can't stop me now it's called yeah when he's singing about the troubadours that have been through the the ages singing in protest for the various issues of life i really related to that because uh and I even mentioned it at the time because Jim and I had worked on this article series about buskers and troubadours. I mean, eventually got into troubadours and the minstrels and all that because I really got interested in in the... I was trying to think. I got interested in the history because I started reading about street singing. Yeah. And... I was at the Ashland Shakespearean Festival when I proposed the article series to Jim because I was walking by these incredible, uh, it was a little violin trio that was that were just playing out in the on the streets with their violin cases open. They were trying to get to some conference of some sort and they were incredible and I was thinking about how wonderful it is that you could just be walking along a street and then all of a sudden hear this person doing some musical thing yeah and so I proposed that article serious to Jim because he was the one who got street singing to be a legal practice in Seattle in order to perform on the streets you had to be disabled you had to be blind before Jim changed it and I love the story of how he did it and so for me I felt like this would be a really good article series about so then I was thinking about how people started singing on the streets and it's far more 
intricate a history than you anticipate. And so when Jim was singing about that, I thought, oh, yeah, this is great. It's a great song. It's one of my favorites of his songs, yeah, actually. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think it's one of the best songs he's ever written. It's very tight. A lot of words, but really impactful and just really well crafted. So it was it was a pleasure for me to to interact with Jim uh, on a musical level and on a you know on every level. Well, the poetry break though that was the yeah that was that worked out a whole lot better than I think either one of us ever envisioned it being. But I thought I'm the one who came up with the idea based on the the writing that Jim and I had been doing back and forth after I gave him that Jim Harrison Ted Kuzer book. And I just thought, you know, because I had seen a reading. There was a short, uh, there's a short video up on YouTube of Jim Harrison and Ted Kuzer reading the, the from that book back and forth. And it, I thought that was really great. It was, it was, is it, it was emblematic of their friendship in a very personal kind of way. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about Jim's and my interaction on that level. Uh, Jim is a, a kind of mysterious guy in a lot of ways, and and. Uh, you, you sometimes can convince yourself that it's hard to know him, but, you know, I feel like I do. I've hung out with him for 35 years, and, you know, as have you. I think we know him as well as anybody does. So, it was fun. It I was love fun. the, I love that reading. Yeah. Especially because, I don't know, it just loosened both of you up. Mm-hmm. It was just like you were more in a playful mode between each other rather than worrying about what anybody was right. thinking or doing on the opposite side. And right. I love that. Yeah, it was good. So on this coming Tuesday, it's just going to be me again. I'll be in oh, I'll be you. active withdrawal symptoms from having had a, you know, kind of a more of a spectacular kind of show. And, uh, but what are you going to do? Well, I don't think everybody could attend a two hour every week yeah so yeah i sure did enjoy that though that was fun and i have listened to it many times since i mean i will listen to it even more but i've listened to it a few times because it was the song choices and the camaraderie between the two of you it just was uh, just a special evening for me. Well, we've performed together enough times to where when I'm putting together a set list, I can kind of, I can load it up with things that I know will work well off of the stuff that, that Jim plays. But I also, you know, I wanted to kind of get him to change direction or change his thinking in too, because that's always part of the fun when he and I play together is how something he plays will cause me to want to play a particular thing and vice versa. So I like that interaction. It's true. Yeah, that was fun. That was a particular kind of fun that stays with you for quite a while. Just kind of amps you up. And then I spent Wednesday working on the the YouTube video for it. Yeah, that was a long process. Yeah. Just because it's a lengthy. Yeah. A lengthy show. show, but. And also, I think that you got absorbed into watching it a little bit more than yeah, you sometimes I, do. That's so. true. I was. I was. Uh, I couldn't. <laughs> got to where I couldn't. I couldn't not watch the, through the songs after I, you know, placed the title or whatever I was doing technically. You know, I you had to listen to it 
So. And may I just say that our Thanksgiving dinner was quite wonderful, even though it was just the two of us. Yes. And we didn't sit down at the dining room table or anything. We just did our usual eating on our laps and our easy chairs in the living room. But, oh, man, it was great. Yeah, I can't I believe really I really enjoyed I, it. I ate a lot. <laughs> I ate a big plateful, and man, oh, man. I didn't eat again until like 2 o'clock the next afternoon because I didn't need to. I was well fed. I really enjoyed this Thanksgiving because, for me, Thanksgiving has always had a bit of angst about it Yeah. Uh, when you're doing the thing with the family. And truth be known, I love getting together with families. I very much loved getting together with your family because the angst-driven part was not as Mm. prevalent for me. Mm. You know, it's really prevalent in your own family. (laughs) But I I was thinking about this memory of Thanksgiving to kind of show what the angst was around that time. Mm. Because a lot of times... We, my family was living in California, and all of our extended family was in Portland. Right. So most of the times, we just had Thanksgiving with my nuclear family, my brother and my parents and I. And for us, this was a, a time of, vac- of vacation from school and very little responsibility other than the things that we had to do for preparing for the dinner. But... Uh, they were showing Magical Mystery Tour on Thanksgiving Day. Really? And we had never seen it. And Gary and I were really, really excited about seeing it. So we were watching in the bedroom on a little black and white TV. I mean, it was... (laughs) We were kind of just in there. I mean, this is my memory. I I would love to hear if Gary remembers it the same way. And we were really enjoying watching this because we were really into the Beatles and we had never seen the Magical Mystery Tour. And then all of a sudden, my dad comes to the door and really chews us out about the fact that it's Thanksgiving and it's a family day and we should be in the living room and, you know. And that is the, the point of the angst because... I love my parents. I yeah. loved being around my parents, and so did Gary. We we enjoyed our, our family time. But with Thanksgiving, it was like there's this extra onus yeah. of being with the family. Yeah, you had a and, responsibility. And yeah, stuff. it's yeah. sort of like you're, you're letting the team down unless you're spending every minute in the living room with everybody else. And, and uh, I just thought that pretty much summed up the angst of Thanksgiving for me, along with the the fact that my family would always even though it was just the four of us we would have the china and the silver and the crystal and tons of dishes and then we'd eat the dinner which was wonderful and always tasty and then gary and i'd have to go in and clean up and have to wash the silver by hand and wash the crystal by hand and wash the china well i think we no we had washed that by hand (laughs) And so for the the dinner time, which may have taken an hour at the most, and then we'd be spending like two hours cleaning up. That was when I decided I did not want silver. I did not want crystal. (laughs) I did not want china. You didn't didn't want to bring out the good dishes? Yeah, that was always the same at our house. But my, you know, it was kind of like 
It was the kingdom of the grown-ups because my mom's folks uh, would be there and my mom's aunt and uncle would be there too. So there was the whole grown-up scene going on. So it was always a great time to sit and watch the adults interact, which I always enjoyed. So it was not as much angst for me uh, in those years. And, and my that's what I remember. I remember the childhood ones. The, the teenage Thanksgivings, yeah, those were... Those were more difficult. Those were more... Well, I think that there's this this expectation. I've always found that if you have expectation of an event, uh-huh. that that it always... It takes away from the joy of the event. Yeah. So, for example, when we got married, part of the reason why I didn't want to send out invitations and do all the kerfuffle that people usually do for a wedding was because I didn't want it to become an expectation of that day. I just wanted to have the day, get married with, you know, being around our friends and then get to our lives, you know, because that was what I was celebrating was I'm going to be able to launch on my, my day with you that is going to be our lives. Right. But we had already been in our lives, and I kind of felt like it was just sort of this legalistic marker to to get us through. But if I have expectations of the day, because I did not have any expectations, and when I didn't have any expectations, it was this thing that came out of nowhere, and, you know, it was just... It was a joyous surprise. All these joyous surprises through the whole day. I just wanted to live... But for me, if you put an expectation on a day, sort of like, we're all going to get together and it's going to be Norman Rockwell painting, come to life, everybody's going to get along, (laughs) we're going to have a wonderful time, and we're going to show what family can be. And then it turns out to be people criticizing each other and sniping at each other, and it just gets weird. Or everybody being on their best behavior, which is... Which, Which means everything too. else is just simmering under the surface. Yeah. So for that reason, Thanksgiving has always had a bit of angst for me because I never knew what was going to be happening and what the expectations of everybody else was around the event. Whereas this Thanksgiving, just saying, oh, the expectation is we're going to have some really good food. And we did. <laughs> and then it was, that was it. And then it was just Thursday. So it's very relaxing and quite wonderful. Good, good. Well, I'm glad you're happy. (laughs) Well, and maybe because my family was so small and we didn't have extended family usually for Thanksgiving, it didn't really have the place for me. You know, I was reading a lot of articles by people who were saying, Oh, I'm really, I really feel so much like I'm missing out. And I, even when I used to have problems at my family gatherings, I'm going to miss all the, well, we never had that when I was young. We just had like a normal family dinner on steroids, you know, with all sorts of fancy stuff, but we didn't have the gatherings around us. Now, since I've been with your family, we've had a lot more of those. Right. Although your family is not huge either, but yeah. but we usually have a lot more of the um, the generational 
experience and I do enjoy that. Yep. But it's still so new to me that I don't miss it if it's not there, I guess. Right. So the other thing I did yeah. uh, yesterday is I watched another stellar concert by Orville Johnson. Oh, yeah. Music for the shut-ins, as yes. he calls it. I love that. Yeah. yeah and, Orville's amazing. And he, one of the things I love about Orville is that he selects songs from all different generations, all different backgrounds, yeah. and presents a lot of different music to you and i just love that love the love the glory of love that was a good yeah. version of that song well i and i'm not known for my love of blues but i love a lot of his blues um i really enjoyed the songs that he sang but one of the songs that really hit me was this song called home that he sang and uh, I was looking up the lyrics, and, and it was saying that Jackie Gleason and his orchestra had played it, which really made sense to me, because I, I seem to remember that song. <clears throat> now I'm wondering whether I remember it from Jackie Gleason. You know, Jackie Gleason was a big guy in our household. Yes, he was, and ours too. We never missed the Jackie Gleason show, the June Taylor dancers, Sammy yeah. Spear in the orchestra, and the Honeymooners. Isn't that funny how those experiences from your youth where your parents were enjoying something and you were there, you know? Yeah. My parents just love Jackie Gleason. Yeah. And away Here we, we go. go. Yeah. Crazy Guggenheim. <laughs> the thing I always remember is when he played a bartender. Yeah, Crazy Guggenheim. Okay. Put the two fingers in yeah, the beer. Yeah, put the two fingers in the beer. <laughs> It's supposed to settle the phone. Uh, that's what that's for. I, I, was, asked, I remember I, I, asked my, I asked my father that one day. Why does he stick his fingers in the beer? Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. You <laughs> boy. That's good coffee. That was some weird television. <laughs> weird. Weird television. That was weird television. Television of our youth. That was great. The Jackie Gleason uh -huh. show. But listening to that song really uh, hit, struck a chord in me when he was performing that. And if anybody would like to see it, it's, I don't know, was your video slightly off? Yeah. The, he, he it was, was off sync a little bit. I think but it's the new Facebook. Yeah. So I basically wasn't watching as right. much as I was just listening and, and commenting because I just love being there, knowing that the, the performer is performing, whether or not the video is janky yeah. i've always feel like yeah but i'm listening to this right. and it's and he's playing this at this moment or or around close this, to it uh, close to this moment yeah. <laughs> and that makes me feel happy yeah me too but he when orville was talking about his various songs he played this one song which i absolutely love called uh hope to live and he Jesse Bernstein right and yeah. he introduced it by saying I'm going to sing a song that I learned from Jim Page that isn't a Jim Page song and the my thoughts immediately went to Lakes of Pontchartrain and it didn't turn out to be that it turned out to be Hope to Live which I absolutely adore as a, a song, song. Yeah. but because I thought of Lakes of Pontchartrain yes. and I, uh, the person that I 
think of when I think of that is Paul Brady. And I was telling uh, Bill this morning that part of the reason why I think of Paul Brady when I think of Lakes of Pontchartrain is that I had always heard it, the song done by Jim Page and loved it, loved the song, loved, loved his, him singing it. But one time when I went to a Paul Brady concert in Seattle, it was down in the Ballard Tavern pub. New Melody Tavern. I'm sure that's where it was. I bet it was New Melody Tavern, too. And I went with a friend of mine, Julie, and, and was thrilled to be at that concert. It was just an amazing concert. And after the concert had ended, we decided to walk over to where Jim was playing. I think he was playing at the Sunset Tavern. Yeah. And... He was on a break when we came in, and he was really happy to see us there. So he was talking to us, and we said we would have been there earlier, but that we were at a Paul Brady concert. And he said, oh, my gosh, Paul Brady's in town? I, if I had known that, I wouldn't have accepted this gig. I would have been at the, the show. And then he said that he learned the Lakes of Pontchartrain from Paul Brady. And I was telling you this morning, I don't know whether he meant in person in or, person or by, the, by an album. I, I wouldn't doubt that he would have met Paul Brady, so, you know. But then I was thinking about Paul Brady. And I know we've played this song before on the show, but it's been years since we have, I'm sure. Um, the World is What You Make It. I love that song so much so very much yeah. and it just is such an uplifting happy song to play but it's interesting because i had never looked up anything about paul brady before but i did this morning and i found this this <laughs> now i know that he that bonnie raid is a fan of paul brady I knew that because she had sung some of his songs. But the thing that I did not know and thought was so cool, I, I knew that he had started off with traditional Irish music. That was what his, his claim to fame was at the beginning. And that he was in the group Planksty. And that uh, that particular group actually launched the solo careers of Andy Irvine, Liam O'Flynn, Donald Lunny, and Christy Moore. And I, because Planksty was a, a, one of the groups that I discovered when I started learning more about Celtic music and loved it. But then he started a solo career. And one of the things that was so interesting is that there are a number of people who really loved his music. And one of them was Bonnie Raitt, they said. But uh, it says... By now, he was a favorite songwriter among such artists as Bob Dylan and Bonnie Raitt, who would do a duet with Brady on his 1991 album, Trick or Treat. A couple of Brady's songs soon appeared on Raitt's album, Luck of the Draw, including the title track. Dylan was sufficiently impressed by Brady's work to name-check him in the booklet of his 1985 box set, Biograph. The actual quote was, People get too famous too fast these days, and it destroys them. 
Some guys got it down. Leonard Cohen, Paul Brady, Lou Reed, Secret Heroes, John Prine, David Allen Coe, Tom Waits. I listen more to that kind of stuff than whatever is popular at the moment. They're not just witch doctoring up the planet. They don't set up barriers. And I thought, wow, I, I kind of love doing the research on these people when I'm uh, thinking about them because I loved what Bob Dylan wrote about that. Yeah. You know, the getting too famous too fast. And especially when you think of the fact that I was able to see Paul Brady, this amazing singer-songwriter, amazing performer. And this was after he'd been in Plank's Teeth. Yeah. Like oh, that. much he's, later. He's playing at the New Melody Tavern in Ballard. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean that was. Which is a great music venue, but it's a it's a tavern, and it can be a noisy room. It can yeah. be. Uh, it can be a difficult place to hear music and in all of its subtlety. But you put somebody like Paul Brady there, and I bet you could have heard a pin drop throughout the evening. Oh yeah. He commands the audience. Well, except for the times where the audience was <coughs> singing along with him, yeah. like in the. The world is what you make it. I will never forget that night. And the fact that I could actually see him in this small place, and I just, for me, it made me realize when, this morning when I was thinking about it, how important it is that I see performers in intimate circumstances. Because when they are so popular that they are attracting thousands i just can't relate as much yeah. i mean the the probably the only exception i can think of is the paul simon concert that we went to because we were so close um by virtue of the fact that my friend tim bought yeah, us the tickets exactly and, we would yeah. never have been able to afford it you yeah. know but we were close enough that i felt a connection to him on the stage but for the most part, the I've never been able to afford anything when I'm seeing some big group. And and I feel cold. Uh, I mean, I may enjoy it, but I don't feel that warm, intimate feeling that I get when I'm in a smaller uh, concert venue. And the, the thing that I've always loved about seeing those local concerts, too, is because you know the performer is happy that you're there. Like Orville Johnson. I mean, Orville Johnson, he's an amazing performer. Yeah. And he's happy to have, like, 20 people show up, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I feel like, wow, you know, you've got these opportunities, and and that's... The, the sort of concert I always want to go to. Even now that we're watching uh, live streams instead, I, I always want to go to those sorts of live streams where yeah. it matters that you're there and the the performer is incredible and he, he isn't stuck up. He is not too famous. Yeah, too he, fast. Too fast, yeah. or at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. So we're so, gonna, so we're gonna hear some Paul. Yeah. Well, let's do let's do uh, World is What You Make It, and then let's do Heather on the Moor from Yeah. There's a great video on YouTube of Andy Irvine and Paul Brady. It's a 40th anniversary reunion concert. It's just an hour long video, but it's well well shot. The sound is good, and so this is just I mean, uh, 
Heather on the Moor is the opening song of that concert. So if you like the sound, get up on YouTube and watch the rest of it because I'm sure it's a, a great show. Well, and I love his traditional stuff me too, too. So. Me too.
guys. As I roved out of a bright May morning, calm and clear was the weather. A chance to roam some miles from home among the beautiful blooming heather and its feather on the moor. Over the heather, over the moor and along the heather. A chance to roam some miles from home among the beautiful blooming heather and its feather on the moor. As I roved along with me hunting song and me heart as light as any feather I met a pretty maid upon the way She was tripping the dew down from the heather And this heather on the moor Over the heather, over the moor And among the heather I met a pretty maid upon the way She was tripping the dew down from the heather And this heather on the moor Where are you going to the pretty fair maid by hill or dale? Come tell me whether Right modestly she answered me to the feeding of my lambs Together in this heather on the moor Over the heather, over the moor and among the heather Right modestly she answered me to the feeding of my lambs Together in this heather on the moor Well, we both shook hands and down we sat For it being the finest day in summer And we sat till the red setting beams of the sun Came sparkling down among the heather And it's heather on the moor Over the heather, over the moor And among the heather We sat till the red setting beams of the sun Came sparkling down among the heather And it's heather on the moor Says I must away for me sheep and lambs have strayed from other. But I am alone to part from me you as those fond lambs are to part their mother and this heather on the moor. Over the heather, over the moor and among the heather. And I am alone to part from you as those fond lambs are to part their mother and this heather on the moor. Up she rose and away she goes And her place and name I know not either But if I was king I'd make her queen The last I met among the heather And the heather on the moor Over the heather, over the moor And among the heather If I was king I'd make her queen The last I met among the heather And the heather on the moor
Thank you very much.